Hello friends and welcome to Monday's Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town pod. It is a happy Monday because Ipswich Town won at the weekend 2-1. It wasn't quite the tonking of the uh, the struggling Shrewsbury that we were hoping for, but they did stew tame the shrews. How many times have we used that particular phrase? We're nothing if not a bag of cliches. Speaking of cliches, I'd like to introduce first of all today, Mike the Big Porker Bacon, a big fan of cliches, a big fan of reading books, and he has... Fittingly, a lot of fans out there in the Kauai Army. Mike, my aged friend, how are you? Well, thank you very much, Heathy. Another very, another fine intro towards myself about aged friend. I did like that. So <laughs> I, I actually, uh, well, I must confess, I got, <laughs> I got a little bit of trapped wind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I do apologise. No, no, it's, it's from the chest. Um, I went for a bike ride this morning um, and biked up the, uh, my little village we go around, and there's a hill. And mm. for some bizarre reason, I seem to think I'm like 15 again, so I can tackle this hill standing up on the pedals. So I got right to the top, nearly collapsed in a heap. But when I got home, um, I obviously had my shake, you know, my uh, fruit shake, my good. Um, but it went down the wrong, went down the wrong way, and it's left me sort of a bit, you know, <clears throat> you know, a bit. So I apologise if, uh, if any any particular moment anything should. But I hope not. But it's just. Um, <laughs> so es- <laughs> essentially, you're just warning us that you're quite gassy this morning. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a little uncomfortable to be honest, but um, I'm, I'm in good form and good mood, of course, because the Super Blues are, are heading towards the playoffs as we speak now. Let alone no automatic. Um, so apart from that, yes, I'm I'm very well, thank you. Uh, he's very well indeed. It's an absolute pleasure and a delight to have you with us. Um, surely soon you'll have your own spin-off show on Sky Sports or Channel yeah. Four or something. So we'll just enjoy this time that you can spend with us, Mike, before you completely disappear into the stratosphere. Um, a man who wasn't with us last Thursday, he was taking. Well, I suppose I'd say deserved, but it wasn't really deserved. Um, it was a it was a needed break from things after putting a million pounds on Miles Kenlock, never playing for town again. Um, and then he duly appeared. And also, of course, predicting that town would tonk Accrington Stanley. They were banging trouble, I believe, was the quote to you. And obviously then town lost to Accrington Stanley. So, my friend, are you uh, are you retooled, reschooled and ready to go again? You've got your head back in the game after these frankly ridiculous things you've been saying? Yeah, I'm not talking about football at all today. I think it's for the best, which is going to make things quite difficult because um, obviously I'm one of only two people that actually saw the game on, on the weekend. So um, maybe it's best I just stop talking about football. I didn't have a good week, did I, with the Accrington prediction and, and the Kenlock situation. Just to skip ahead, and this is one for maybe part two of the podcast this week, Andy Warren, who is off this week, has entrusted me with the entirety of his funds, or at least I think he said I could have 90% of his funds what? to play with. Yeah, and he said it now, and this, so he can't take it back. You're, you're so that's a man something who to look forward to. You're a man who would have lost all of it just last week. <laughs> and Hutchie's gone, yeah, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give, I'll give you responsibility. Okay, interesting. We'll come on to that in due course. Obviously, we'll talk about Cambridge later on in the pod, and we've got something happening late this week, so I'm not entirely sure when we do pod number two this week, but I'm sure we'll get round to it. And the fourth wheel on the KOA bus, there's normally five wheels technically, but mostly four or three on a podcast. Your man like Roscoe, you're wearing a new hoodie today, Ross. That's a very nice hoodie. What what, what you're sporting? What is it? Tell us about it. Well, Macaulay Bond is my boy, but I've also got another boy who's an Ipswich lad. Ah, Fabio Wardley, of course. Fabio Wardley, of course. Friend, Boxing, friend, we'll mention that later. Roscoe, friend of the stars, friend of the athletes in Ipswich, Fabio Wardley. Tremendous. How are you, Rossi? Um, I'm fine. I'm still just trying to get over Mike's gas, pretty much. Uh, 
I'm, I'm sort of the same. I'm always gassy in the evenings, which is uh, oh, my come girlfriend on. is not a fan of. But oh uh, no, let's yeah. not let's yeah. not lower the tone and, and, and build an entire intro around bodily functions and gas. Um, let's move on quickly, shall we? Uh, and get dive headfirst into the football boys because that's what we're here for. Stewie, you weren't around last week. Your profound partner in crime, Andy Hutch Warren, dropped one of the greatest truisms of all time last week in terms of sports punditry when he opined on this very show that a win is better than a loss. That, my friend, has now gone global, viral around the world. It's on dressing rooms of numerous sports teams now. A win is better than a loss. And could he have known that that's exactly the situation we'd have this weekend as town win, but not really impress against a very average Shrewsbury side, a side that they should, let's be honest, be absolutely murdering if they've got any promotion ambitions this season. At home, they won 2-1, Stewie. Your thoughts, please. Uh, a win's a win. They needed it. And um, <laughs> ultimately, they got it done. Um, we're still in that stage, I think, where Ipswich are just starting to still find their feet. We're at the, the 11-game mark now moves them up to... 14th, but more importantly, the, the gap to the playoff places is now six, which looks a lot more manageable when we were looking at it being sort of nine, ten points before. Um, so they just needed to, to get a win done in this game, and, and they did, despite that Achilles heel striking again in the first half. That was unbelievable how Ipswich were completely dominated that opening half of the half. Looked like they could carve open Shrewsbury at will. Shrewsbury looked like Don, Doncaster Mark II, and you're thinking it could be another cricket score here when, when the opening goal goes in. And then I don't know what it is. A switch seems to go and concede a quite... OK, it's a, it's a great finish into the top corner from outside the box, but a couple of errors leading up to it. Penny loses a header. For me, for my money, Sam Morsey has to be stronger there. I know that that will split opinion. Um and then the Ipswich just kind of went to pieces for a few minutes. Could easily have gone 2-1 down moments later when Ryan Bowman put one over the bar from across six yards out. And they sort of limped into half-time at 1-1. And the reaction was really good second half. It sounded like Paul Cook gave him a bit of a bollocking at half-time. And, and they got back at it and they dominated the second half. And obviously Macaulay Bond back at it again. Fantastic leaping header. And then the game management was a lot better. And... Um, they were, they were deserved winners there, but it was just a, another little reminder that this is uh, still a bit of a work in progress going on. Mm. Mike, we've talked a lot about character and the importance of having it in teams so far this season. So in terms of being positive about this game, we, we can take a positive, can't we, from the fact that Town, yes, they've got this annoying, worrying knack of conceding goals after they've scored and then it all going a little bit Pete Tong. But in this case, they've gone in, they've got a rocket, Normally, they'd, they'd probably have disintegrated in the second half and ended up losing the game. But they've come out again. They've re-established dominance and, and they've gone on and won. Yes, the opposition is nothing to write home about. But surely in this case, that's a good sign, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Of course it is. And it's this is all little steps, isn't it? Um, they just seem to be getting a little bit further each time to the goal of putting in that perfect 90-minute performance, almost like Doncaster, I suppose, but on mm. a more regular basis. I mean, you know, obviously... <laughs> 
just you're always you're, you're always you're, what is it you're, you score a goal and then you know you're, you're always at your worst to concede moments later and Ipswich just have this I thought Cook's comments were brilliant after the game he could have he didn't come out all flying high and well it's two back-to-back wins he was very he was very real real about it all and I, I'm glad to see that I mean I could go back many years of course and I've got <laughs> many years um, you frequently do yeah I could and Ipswich Town believe it or not always you know, a lot of older fans understand always have had hiccups against lesser teams. They've seemed to struggle to beat lesser teams. I'm talking about even the great teams in the 70s and 80s would slip up against the most bizarre of teams. I remember them losing to Luton Town once as they're pushing for promotion in the Premier League. Um, I remember losing to Crewe, um, you know, at home on a way to a, a promotion push. And Ipswich haven't played. I mean, I made a little, made a little few details here. They haven't played anybody in the top six, I don't think, yet, or, or one of the top seven or something. Um, I'm going to be interested to see how they play and how when they play against teams who will play against them um but i think they're making look they're making strides aren't they as stewie said you know fair play to them. they came out the second half and they dominated the, the match um and that's all you can do they won the game yeah it'd be nice to win six nil every week but that's not gonna happen is it um mm. so yes there are positives definitely they're definitely now finding their feet a little bit. The only slight concern I have, which we can talk later on, is I still don't think he knows what his best team is. And I think Selena's got to come back and goodness knows where he's going to play. Um, but there you go. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, I always think a win is better than a defeat. Um, that's something I've been told. And so I agree with. That great philosopher, Andy Hutch Warren. Um, I think that's where you heard it, Mike. Oh, that's where I got it from. Yeah, sorry. Uh, thanks for bringing it up again. Rossi, Mike's given us a nice little segue there into the team. Um, what did you make? I mean, the big talking point going in was who replaced Selena. There were various options. It ended up being Charlie Chaplin. Um, was that the right decision? What did you make of, of Chaplin and, and general things from your privileged position pitch side? Job done. Um, although I felt a bit flat after the game. I just felt, mm, you know, yeah, got the win. I don't know. I felt a bit flat. Um, don't know why. Um, but no, I think that was a good decision bringing Chaplin in. Um, scored midweek, of course, against Shilligan and then scored again. Mm. Um, he's always there. He's always alert in the box. He's always there to pounce on a rebound, which is always good. Um, and you know, Chaplin was signed from a, a playoff team in the championship, so he's got he's got to start really. Mm. Um, of course, he came in, didn't do really well on his debut, but of course got that injury, and now he's, I think he's fully firing. And um, in a way, is he drop? He's not even droppable now. I think he's he's got to start now. So uh, uh, maybe Fraser drops out at some point. Um, but no, I was pretty happy with the team. Um, and yeah, I want to give a shout to the boy JD, Junoid Danashian. What a, what a player he's turning into be, you know, rock solid again. He kicks it, he heads it, covers his teammates. Um, and you know, he's, he's not flashy, but he just does his job. Um, and I know a lot of people were praising him before, you know, he got the chance, but, um, he has really jumped at the chance and it's just great that finally, you know, we, have a player in the building who actually gets his chance and he and he's showing that he's he's just doing what he needs to do. And um he played left back at the end of the game as well, because Toto played right back, which I didn't really like really, but um Toto at right back doesn't work. My goodness, Janoy is, is a conversation I want to have definitely at some point. The donations continues. I want to jump back though to Chaplin Stew on this. He played number 10. Because of the success of, of Macaulay Bond, who's very much is at the forefront of everything town do, and he's scoring goals for fun. He's at the heart of everything. He gets all the headlines, it seems. But Chaplin now quietly is, is, has now scored three goals for town. Uh, he's coming, he's played the number 10, that position that they've 
kind of really struggled with so far this season. Um, what, what did you make of him in this game and, and your thoughts on, on Rossi there saying he, he should probably be a starter going forward? Yeah, I'd agree with Ross on several points. I think JD would, would probably be my man of the match, but very closely followed by Connor Chaplin, who for me, I thought had looked the most, probably the most effective anyone's been in that number 10 role for Ipswich so far this season. I think in his terms of his all-round play, he can link it. His movement was really clever. There were a lot of times, and I was keeping a close eye on him, where teammates perhaps didn't spot the movement that he was making. Um but he's got that knack to sort of link play with the midfield, but also his instincts as someone who's played a lot of football up front in his career is to be there on that rebound for that goal. You know, not all number 10s necessarily are there on the edge of the six-yard box to gobble up those sort of chances. And so he scored three and four. And maybe because he doesn't have the best of debuts, it's amazing how one one early performance shapes people's opinions around you straight away, mm. you know, despite the fact that he's come from Barnsley, who just finished in the playoffs, almost became a bit of a forgotten man quite quickly because of the the options that Ipswich have got. But um, I, I would like to see them persist with that, Chaplin, in, in that number 10 role, which, as Ross says, gives some real headaches with uh, Selena back and not to mention Carl Edwards, who came on and... Uh, reminded us all just how exciting he can be with uh, that that outrageous piece of skill Cruyff turn on the touchline uh, late on and a penalty shout as well. So, yeah, real options for Ipswich going forwards now in, in that offensive area of the pitch. Mm, exciting, isn't it? Shall we, shall we reflect also a bit on, on the Nastians then, being as we, we've talked about it? There's a line at the end of the Dark Knight, and I haven't checked this, but it's something along the lines of, he's, he's not the hero that Gotham wants but he's the hero that Gotham needs is Janoy Danassian the hero that Ipswich Town maybe don't necessarily want he's not a very popular in terms of he's not a sexy player is he um and he's always kind of toiled in the shadows and and had a, a fairly extraordinary up and down time at town but now finally my friends he's in the spotlight he's come in at a, t- a time when town were all over the place um conceding five against Bolton and he's he's doing the business, boys, isn't he? Isn't he not, Mike? Is Janoy Danastian the hero that Ipswich Town need? Continue with this metaphor, please. Absolutely, Heathy. I'll happily carry it on. I mean, he's without doubt the guy. I mean, if I had, if I'd seen Game of Thrones, which I haven't, um, he'd even be in that, which I don't know why what he'd be doing in it. But and 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 anything, Die Hard, um, the latest Bond film, he should be in all of them. I mean, he's he's just doing fantastic. Um, <laughs> Look, he's done. I mean, to be fair to Nassi, I mean, he's been put out on loan. He's been in a few years now. I mean, he's had, he hasn't had it easy. I mean, we're all praising him now, but think of the many, many weeks and games where he's been on the bench. He's not, he's never started. He's been out mm. on loan. What a professional. I mean, what a professional. He, he clearly is such a professional player um, that he's, 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 he just takes his chance. He does, he's not sulked about stuff. He just got on with it. And it's ironic with all, you know, uh, Cook's flair and guile and attacking. And you've got a, I'm, I'm, I use the word bog standard very It's not the right word I'd use, just a solid mm. defender. And everyone's raving about him. He's just doing he's just doing a damn good job and um, good for him. I mean, I can't think of any more superlatives. I'd, I'd put him in all of my films. All of your films. Who, who's well, the Joker in this scenario? Who's who's Janoi Danassian's nemesis? Who's his nemesis? Yeah. What does, that, what does that mean? I don't know what a nemesis is. Well, I, oh, it, that's I mean, obviously the Joker is and his nemesis. It's Paul Lambert. Come on. Of course. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. His um, his story 
is just mad, isn't it? I don't yeah. think you'll find a, a crazier sort of individual player narrative in Ipswich Town's history in terms of him being signed, but it had to be on loan and then the work permit issue. And then by the time that they then signed him for 750k, they probably didn't want him by that point. And then they signed him and Lambert had decided that he was a centre-half based on his experiences of him as an 18-year-old at Aston Villa and he's in and out and he doesn't get in the team. And we kind of, when Andy sort of first raised the denaissance, let's be honest, it was a bit tongue-in-cheek. He, he'll own it now. He'll he'll say otherwise. He's always been his boy. But he's come in and, and he is, Paul Cook's used the phrase, does what it says on the tin defender. He's... um. He's a good one-on-one -on -one defender, and I mm. and I love players like that. There was again second half. I think one of the biggest cheers of the day was a a um, recovery slide tackle thumping challenge where he came racing across. And um, those players can be sexy too. Defenders can be sexy, and uh, you need them sometimes. And Ipswich were leaking goals for fun in the early stages of the season. They were looking very exposed behind those marauding fullbacks. Um, they're scoring enough goals without the whole team needing to completely mm. bomb on. And I think that that little touch of pragmatism in that position has, has really helped settle things down. Mm. Right then, we've talked about the nascent. Now let's talk about the sizzle, the stake, the sexy at the top of this town squad. Macaulay Bond has scored 474 goals in his first 10 town, Ipswich Town games. He is on fuego by any definition. He's your boy, Ross. We were all shocked, I think, apart from Mike. And you might want to speak up now, Mike, because if we go back to the start of the season, the pre-season show, I asked you all for a surprise package. And I do believe, and you, you're not very kind of come forward when it comes to pointing out things you've got right um, and crowing about them. But I do believe that your surprise package was Macaulay Bond. Um, but I don't think any of us thought that Macaulay Bond would be sitting almost on double-digit goals. Uh, what is it, at the start of October. It's remarkable. Rossi, I'm going to come to you first. Macaulay Bon, on you go. Beautiful. Just a beautiful <laughs> man. Literally town through and through, chantry lads, um, leaping like a salmon, great header. Um, yeah, I'm surprised. I think we all thought Joe Piggott was going to lead the line. He was going to mm. score the goals for us. He's done it before at Wimbledon. We thought Macaulay Bon will come in, in and out, you know, may start a game here and there. Um, maybe be a super sub, just come on and, you know, if we're not winning the game, hopefully go and win it for us. But what a story, unbelievable story, you know, and that's, you see it on his face every time he walks on that pitch, he's just loving every moment. And when he scores, he's putting up to his family in the Alf Ramsey stand, you know, a nice little moment with um, a little girl that he's been um, doing some charity work with, which is fantastic to see. And, you know, just every time he scores, I think everyone just loves it because he's, you know, boyhood fan of the club and um yeah good old macca just beautiful scenes once again and what a what a header mike oh what a header um come on on because you know i'll say someone who's not shy about reminding everyone when they're right um mm. you got this absolutely bob on gloat Mm, thank you very much. I will gloat, Heathy. Um, yeah, um, yeah. we're only 10, 10 or 11 games in, but I did say at the start of the season, Macaulay Bond would be a surprise package. And I thought he'd be a surprise package because I knew, I just sensed how, in, in all his, his, his quick interviews early on, how desperate he was to play for the club and how much he loved the club. 
And I've been following McCauley's Bonds uh, career, actually. I'm not just saying that now. I mean, I watched him at Colchester, and I used to follow him at Leighton Orient as well. He was um, he was at Orient for a while. And I was always keeping mm. an eye on him. He was always chipping in goals. QPR didn't really seem to happen too much. So when he came here, um, yeah, I just thought he was going to grab it. Because why not? He was just going to, I mean, gosh, you know, he's, he, he just it's, it's his, ta- his hometown club. Um, he was always going to grab it. He has done far better than I thought he would, I must be honest. But that header, that is such a difficult header. I mean, I know he's got a bit of pace as it's coming in, but he, the guidance of it, I, you know, I'm flicking my head here because I'm so excited about it. The thought of guiding it. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't actually ever get many headers when I played football. Uh, you might be surprised to know. Um, yeah. But no, terrific header. I mean, and everybody loves a local hero. And it doesn't matter what sport you're talking about, it, uh, you know, for, I mean, any football club you're talking about, from Liverpool to Man United to, to Ipswich Town. And that boy is delivering tight. It's incredible. I mean, it's just... Mm. You might get three or four goals, but to score as many as he has continuously, fantastic. Very pleased for him. Long mm. might continue. Stewie, I, I was trying to think earlier. I think you said he's got is it eight goals in seven games now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you're doing a bit today about how that compares to, to other red-hot streaks in town history. I can't think of the last time a town striker was this on fire um, and this important. Because it's not just that he's scoring, he's also... At the heart of things as well, isn't he? Even you know that goal against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, he's thinking there. He's, seen, he's setting up goals as well. He's, yeah, he's his header that was saved for, for yeah. Chapman's goal as well. He's um, he's a pest. That's what he is. He's he's a player that if you're a centre half, you know you've been in a game up mm. against Macaulay Bond. It's not just the goals. It's his all round play. He runs and runs and runs. He's he's better physically than I thought he was. I looked at his career when he came and he looked to me like someone who got a lot of goals running off the last shoulder and he himself had spoken about that's kind of his his style of play and I know uh, at Charlton I think it was Lee Bowyer talked about was really on his case about Mm. trying to be more physical and using his size better well he's certainly doing that now I mean the, the the leap and the header I love headed goals that's my thing and um I think a few people had pointed out if Cristiano Ronaldo had scored that goal, we'd have been watching that in super slow-mo from every single angle a hundred times mm. on on match of the day. Fine delivery as well, right on the money from, I think, Lee Evans with with the corner. Um, but yeah, if you watch it back, there's a little nudge of the centre-heart of his marker, then a late run as well, the leap, and then the actual execution of the header. Perfect. And then it's all wrapped up nicely with the goal celebration as well. He goes to run off in one direction. Then he then he remembers, he remembers like the cold assassin, his little uh, verbal spat with the goalkeeper from from um from the first half of the game. So it happened quite a bit earlier on. I don't know mm. what quite quite had been said there. Um but he he, he spins, he, he arcs his run back the other way, runs right past the goalkeeper, gives him a little shush in the face. And then still remembers to go off and and blow a kiss to uh, to Maddie, who Ross mentioned earlier, um, a, a disabled girl that uh, he'd done a bit of work with during the week, and he's he's got a personal backstory mm. there himself for anyone who's, who's read the program. So, um, real Roy of the Rovers stuff. If you'd have written this script, um, I don't think anyone would be believing you that, that he, he really is living the dream at the moment, Macaulay, and, and long may it continue. Yeah. It tremendous, isn't it? I love the edge that he's got. That, like you say, with the the, the keeper shushing, that kind of, <laughs> kind of uh, bit of bit of edge. I like that. Uh, and as, as you say, 
the, the shushing now, I mean, it was, what, are we talking 12 months ago when it was the fingers in the ears and the shushing mm. stuff from Chambers and Bishop and all of that, and it was a bit like, oh, who, is that aimed at the critics? Is that aimed at the fans? Who's What's that all about? Look, that's that's a that's a that's a shushing gesture that everyone can get behind, isn't it? That's a yeah. kind of them versus us, and um, that's great. Uh, you know, that just shows you sort of where where Ipswich are at now compared to where they were at a year or so ago. Yeah. Um, right then. So we've talked a lot about positives there. Are there any other positives, Stewie? Because I want to move on to anything that concerns you about the game. Anything else you want to highlight as as pro before we move on? Uh. Uh, just generally the second half reaction that we've, we've mentioned. We've mentioned a few individuals. Uh, I thought George Edmondson um, had a pretty good game, but certainly in the second half, you know, in, he he was among those that were making mistakes in that little wobble. But second half, I think he's looking like a player that um, that can get better and better for Ipswich. It was some real sort of cool play under pressure where he sort of played some passes between Halagki and... Um, played his way out of danger a few times and um, on his fair share of headers and stuff. So, um, yeah, I think he's he's going to uh, grow and grow, George Edmondson, from what I've seen. Mm, good stuff. Right then, negatives. We, we talked about the one big one, which is that Town keep managing to concede uh, and giving up leads, Rossi. That's clearly something they need to stamp out. Was there anything else that you didn't, you didn't like about this game that worried you? Just the, that better teams would have punished us, you know. Shrewsbury, they haven't really. Well, we, we know where they are. They're in the bottom four for a reason. Um, and mm. yeah, if they had a well, a, a star player in their squad who would have, you know, brought them up and got them the the second, as, as Stu mentioned earlier, that they, they nearly got the second before half time, and that would have been a very interesting half time team talk by Paul Cook and Co. Um, but yeah, that is the only concern really. Is other teams would definitely punish us. Um, you mm. know, going into you know, Pompey, even like Cambridge, that, that will be, I hate, hate to say it, but that, that's going to be a tough game going there yeah. in a bit. But um, but no, I think it was just better game management in the second half. Um, but I think if the Shrews did score before half-time, I think we would have been very concerned. But just the other thing was just, I just felt flat after after it. it just It was a job done, three points, there we go, move on. But I don't know, it just didn't feel... Of course, it wasn't Doncaster 2.0, which we thought was going to happen because we had the flying start and all that. But I don't know. It just felt a bit flat. I don't know, I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm going to let everyone else speak, but let me just... I'm, I'm going to yeah. flip that into a positive in some ways because okay. I think if Ipswich had gone on to... I, I think it's good that this has kind of kept everybody's feet on the floor a little bit. Accrington was a real back-down-to-earth moment. I was just looking at Mark Ashton's programme notes where he was saying... Um, Paul and the players, in simple terms, know it wasn't good enough. We set our standards higher. We need to be better. Rest assured, Paul and the team are fully aware of that. So that was a real sort of back down to earth moment at Quinton. And maybe this is just another little... It was great that they got the win and they needed that win. But this is just another reminder to everybody that standards need to be kept hmm. really high. And I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that Paul Cook... Paul managers quite easily could have focused on... We all kind of come away from games focusing on the second half and what how games finished, but he chose very consciously to really hammer home how disappointed he was with the reaction to to going ahead in that first half, and that speaks to me of a, a chief exec and a manager that are going to keep driving these standards and and make sure that they keep progressing. And maybe if they'd have gone on to score three, 
four or five goals in that second half, we'd have all slipped back into a little bit of complacency mode again and been waxing lyrical about all the options they've got and da-da-da. So maybe it won't be a bad thing these these last couple of games. And um, hopefully, like we said at the start, they're coming through that, you know, they're starting to to put pieces, pieces of the jigsaw together. What is it, four wins in the last six back-to-back wins all competition, back-to-back wins at Portman Road. You're starting to see a little up, up, upturn in things now as, as these players get fitter and, hmm. uh, you know, the gelling process is happening. But still work to be done, no doubt about it. I can I can see what you mean, Ross, about it feeling just... it. What job done is, is kind of what it felt like, didn't it, on Saturday? Hmm. Let's talk generally about the feeling then around the club. Because as you say there, Stu, there's, if you look at the, the results, the stats, they've lost, what is it, one in six games now. They've won four of the last six. They've won two in a row in all competitions, the only blip being that that dreadful defeat at Accrington. Um, how are you feeling, Mike, about the, the Ipswich Town project as we sit here now? Because they're, they're up to, A, obviously none of us ever thought really they'd be struggling like they were at the start of the season, but now they're up to 14th. There, there seems like there's a an upward trajectory going uh, and Cook is obviously saying the right things in terms of, you know, still need to pick up Sanders, etc. But how do you feel about the, the whole thing as we sit here now? Right. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, um, I'm not uh, uh, jumping up and down with joy, um, but there's a definite positive, isn't it? That the, the club has got, you feel the team is moving in the right direction now. You actually got that feeling that, yeah, do you know what? You know, we're starting to move in the right. And sometimes a result like the Accrington one is a good thing to suddenly bang in after you won 6 0, you know, mm. because that can really, that can reset a little bit. Cook's got lots of options. He's got lots of options. Those players know that. I'm feeling very good about the club. I'm feeling very good about the team on the pitch. I'm feeling about the good of the club off the pitch. I think they're doing a lot of good stuff off the pitch, um, which I like to see. Mm. I'm getting a feel. There was a lovely Twitter piece of Wes Burns giving his shirt away to young George Woodward, I believe, uh, yeah, a young lad who would, you know, you know um, a, a, another little fan. Uh, fantastic. Just there's little things off the pitch. And mm. now on the pitch, it's starting, it's not going meteoric but it is there's no doubt it's going it's going up slightly you know things are slowly improving and I think this a big it's a massive game Saturday I'm not going to talk about Cambridge because we have more time for that later but oh, it's a massive game Saturday in, in mm. for, for some for, for bizarre reason it suddenly feels massive you know I don't know why but it just feels that way but there's definitely that people are coming away from Port Road being entertained I mean Stewie said go back 18 months too. I mean, it's just too, you know, it's just, it was awful, you know, two or three years ago, and, and it's a completely different atmosphere. A team that I think are starting to understand what's required. You know, the, the owners have got the money from pension funds, you know, and the, this money hasn't come from some uh, Saudi shake just throwing lots of money at it. You know, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot riding on all this. And I think the players are starting to deal with it and starting to understand it. So I'm feeling very positive right now. Hmm. How about you, Rossi? You are the closest in terms of Ipswich Town proper fandom for all of us. Obviously, we all do it professionally, but you were very much a town fan not too long ago. How are you fit? Because we've had, let's be honest, for your town fandom years, it's been pretty shite, hasn't it? There's not been a lot to get excited about. Uh, and clearly, we got very excited about this season. And then it started flat as a pancake. And we're like, oh, is this club cursed? Here we go again. And now, hopefully, we start to feel like things are starting to use that terrible world gel but how are you feeling about the whole Ipswich Town experience at the moment it's uh, definitely more entertaining I have to say yeah. that you know <clears throat> the football under Lambert 
Um, Mick McCarthy at the end of his his tenure was uh, very much. We weren't seeing, like, we've seen 40 goals scored. We've scored 21. We've conceded 19. So there's more goals to to, to watch and see. Um, I think the reason why I felt flat, I think it was because of the Accrington game. I think we were on cloud nine, winning 6-0 at home. We thought, here we go. We got lift off. And I sort of was getting very, you know, pumped up. And I was ready to to rock and roll and enjoy the season um, after the start we had. And then Accrington, you know, it was wet. It was rubbish. We lost 2-1. We thought, oh, we go. Brought down back to earth. Here we go. It's the hope that kills you. Um, and of course, yeah, job done, as we said, this game. I just feel I'm not going to get too carried away again. So I got carried away last week because we won the 6-0. And I'm yeah. like, I'm going to wait a little bit longer now. Um, but no, I'm still positive. And as you know, Mike said and Stu said, you know, the community field is back now. Mark Ashton doing his stuff. McCauley Bond, Wes Byrne giving the shirt to that kid. It just feels you're more connected to the players now, and you know they're doing you know coffee club stuff with the mental health, you know stuff at mind mm. and all that. You just feel more closer to the players, and uh, yeah, just uh, I'm not going to get too carried away until we we win some more games comfortably. Yeah, Stu, I'm going to come to you for the final bit on this segment. Stu says you're the man that writes the verdicts. You are the conscience of us at the Anglian. You are the voice of us, largely. So be the voice of us now, Stu. Ipswich Town, as we sit here in this beautiful Monday morning slash soon to be afternoon, how are you feeling about things in your fisherman's knit jumper? <laughs> um, same. Can only echo what what you've all kind of said. Really, I think cautiously optimistic. Um, we know that the evidence is there in terms of the type of players they've signed, the ages that they're, what they've achieved in the game thus thus far, what's happening off the pitch. But there's a reticence to get to carrot. Well, as Ross just sort of said, you this there's a there's a real hunger and desire of this fan base that's just waiting, just waiting to be ignited. So when something good happens like the Doncaster game, everyone gets really carried away. And then when something bad happens like Accrington, it's it 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 opens up old wounds because we've been there so many times before. And the only reference point we've got as fans and people that follow this football club is false dawns and disappointments. So there's no reference point for success. There's no reference point of the last 10 years of, well, this could happen because it's happened before. We've not seen it yet and we need to kind of see it with our own eyes a little bit. So I think that's why we're also emotionally up and down with this at the moment, because we're desperate for it to happen, but we don't know if it will happen. Um, the whole kind of, it's definitely more entertaining than it was before. It is. And I've had that conversation with a lot of people and I've been as guilty as that before. My slight concern is that that can't be the bar. That can't be, well, it's more entertaining to go and watch now. It should be because they've handpicked, they've been able to pretty much handpick this squad in, mm. in League One terms and uh, put put them together. It should be more than just, well, it's it's a bit more entertaining than it, than it was before. So that's why I'm kind of reassured by the, the comments of Ashton and Cook of standards need to be really high. And this is not enough. This is this, you know, this is just the start. And that that excites me as well to hear the kind of people involved saying that this this needs to be better and, and it will be better. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. There's still a long, long way to go yet. And uh, every game feels like a massive game at the moment, doesn't it? As you just said, with the. Uh, with the ground that they've left themselves to make up. But um, yeah, it's uh, 
some good players in there, isn't there? And they um, there's every every chance that they can go on a, on a on that run that's needed. I think going forwards. Excellent. Right, let's draw a line under Shrewsbury. Town got the win. It maybe wasn't the win we were expecting, but it's the win they got, and that's important. Mike, coming yes. to you now. You are obviously, as I've said repeatedly, clearly the most popular king on the show by a goodly distance, uh, and yeah. we're, we're very grateful you continue to lower yourself to sit with the rest of us. Um, but I want to bring something now, uh, which I'm going to call Mike's question time, because you're getting correspondence now from fans um, who are asking you questions. And so if you wouldn't mind, uh, I thought it'd be nice for you to read read one out and we can then converse around it. Can you can you find your first question time with Mike? Yes, thank you very much, Heathy, because um, obviously, as you say, I'm by far and away the most popular uh, king I appears to be. I don't really know why that is, but I mean, people are starting to write to me now, which is lovely. I'd lovely. Nice to hear from Jerry Phillips. Um, hi, Mike. I watch your show on a regular basis. Um, <laughs> just uh, just pause there. Your show. I watch your show, Mike. Um, thanks, Jerry. Lovely. We have been here yeah. for three years, but mm. on you go. Yeah, well, to be fair to Jerry, I mean, he's probably not wrong. Um, and, um, and and he says, well, defensive errors are regularly mentioned. The impact of having, as he, as Jerry writes, a very average goalkeeper doesn't seem to be truly recognised. We've seen grateful Haladgi is not costing us games as he was earlier. But has the very average goalkeeping been responsible for at least five points lost? And he points out, um, um, he doesn't. It, whilst he agrees Haladgi has improved, he doesn't feel he's nowhere near the standard required to gain promotion. And... Um, News reports state the Shrewsbury goal entered the top right-hand corner, um, but it looked a bit lower than that. Um, the second goal at Accrington went under his body, did it? I can't remember that too well. But uh, he's, um, Jerry's really just making the point that a, a top goalkeeper, and he goes back to the days when he was watching Ipswich uh, win the league in Division 1 in the early 60s with Roy Bailey, of course, was a top keeper. Um, so he just, he's really pointing out that the Halagdi situation and... I mean, goalkeepers are big in the game today. Let's think of Peter Schmeichel. You know how Schmeichel, how good he was, and people talk about goalkeepers. So there's, so that's my first letter that I have received um, without prompting um, on my show. And um, uh, so it's open for debate, lads. Do, is, I mean, he's doing better. I wish, I wish he had a different name, but he doesn't. Halagi. <laughs> and um, and he's doing better. Let's be honest. He is, he, he is doing better. Um, but is he just average? Or not going to look for another keeper, are they? They've already got Walton in the background. Well, let, I mean, I'll step in here as the host. Um, we thought Ipswich Town had solved the keeper problem. They brought in Hladke from Salford, the, the, the golden glove of that league last season. Multiple clean sheets. He had a wobbly start. Then they brought in Christian Walton from a Premier League side. Again, he, he makes a debut and concedes five. So, Stewie, does Jerry have a point? Are, are Town still shaky at the back? I mean, I get... I, in terms of the last time Town had a keeper you could put your house on, I guess would be Big Bart, wouldn't it? But where do you stand on the, on the keeper debate? Yeah, I don't think you should ever underestimate goalkeepers. We're in an era now where Manchester City and Chelsea, etc., are spending fifty million on on goalkeepers, and, and um, it's got a point about the, it. It wasn't right in the top corner when I watched it back, actually, and the one at Accrington certainly went underneath him. I don't think we should be writing Christian Walton off yet. I think he's, although he conceded five on debut, I think that was a team that was, you know, Edmonton was making his debut that day. He wasn't the only one. That was Walton's first game thrown straight in. Um, he's a player that has played a lot of championship football, has been at a Premier League club. Um, Halagki, give him his dues. He has come back from, that could have, 
that could have buried some players, that, that type of start that he had to go from starting, stepping up a league, starting so poorly, dropping to third choice, his head could have been all over the place. So for him to come back and putting aside those sort of goal incidents, I think his general play has been really quite assured. He's been claiming crosses quite nicely. There's been moments of pressure where he's taken the heat off them with some punches and crosses. But ultimately, I think once fit, there will come a point where Christian Walton gets in and stays in. And mm. I think he, he will be an upgrade. Where do you stand on all this, Rossi? The keeper debate. You happy with either of them, both of them? Well, we're not happy with uh, Lanky's name because, yeah, we can't say it. Um, but, yeah, I've just watched back the, you know, the Shrews goal. And, yeah. well, Morsey is very much at fault there. Um, and Lanky can only do what he can, what's in front of him in terms of his defenders defending. And Morsey lost the ball. And, you know, it's a powerful shot. I don't think any good goalkeeper would be able to save that, really. I know it's maybe it's a bit low, but I just watched it back and... I don't know. I think it's a difficult one to save. Um, just watched Accrington goals back as well. And yeah, maybe he should have done better with both of those goals. But I think the team, you know, we didn't have a settled back four for those opening games. Um, and of course, he's playing Alanki, whatever his name is. You know, he's playing in front of big crowds for the first time. He's trying to settle himself down. Walton, of course, didn't have a great debut. But um, I don't think they're bad goalkeepers. I don't know if we would be able to sign any more better goalkeepers for this level. I think they're they're good enough for, for me. Um, but yeah, I think they've got mistakes in them. But I think every goalkeeper's got a mistake in them. But um, you know, call him Vass, by the way. If that's Vass, easier for yeah. you, they'll call him Vass. I like I love the way that when Rossi says Planky, it makes him sound more like a Sri Lankan spin bowler than a than a, <laughs> than a goalkeeper. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you have to, as you say, you make a good point there, Ross. All you can do in any situation, surely, is upgrade what you've got or what you had. And there's no doubt, is there, that Hladke and Walton are upgrades on what on what Town had last season, Mike? Yes, they may not be. I mean, you're not, you're not going to get the world's best goalkeeper to come to Richard's Town in, in the third tier, are you? Well, this is it. This is absolutely spot on there. He, that's absolutely spot on, of course. People some, we some forget what league we're in. And when we talk about Roy Bailey back in Division 1 and we were talking about... Um, even Bart was, of course, was always in the championship with us and stuff. You know, when you when you were talking um, Richard Wright in the Premier League, we were talking top goalkeepers at certain levels. We're in League One. I think we've got, actually, Halagdi, what I've seen of him. I uh, haven't seen Walton. Um, you know, he played how many games he played, one or two. Um, I think we've got two decent keepers for this level. It's as simple mm. as that. I, I don't really, I'm, you know, you're not going to go out and find another keeper. Yes, if you go up to the championship, which hopefully we will, that becomes everything comes a different thing. But Stu is right. As he said at the start, Premier League clubs are paying... 50, 60, 70 million pound now for goalkeepers. That was just unheard of 10 years ago. You know, you'd mm. never spend money on a goalkeeper. You wouldn't consider, even though they're important. Um, so they are important, but I don't think Ipswich have any problems. In, in terms of the, the, the going back to the point about they've dropped X number of points because of the goalkeeper, that's far too simplistic for me. The, the issues in the early part of the season were down to central midfield balance not being right with, with Harper and and Evans being too similar, I think that was the, the major factor in the opening weeks, which are going some way to addressing. And, and the fullback situation leaving massive gaps. More recently, the the Accrington game, that was just down to a, a bit of a complacency issue and just not having the desire to, to win second balls. So to just suddenly go, oh, it's, it's the goalkeeper, I, I think it's a bit bit too simplistic. There's, there's a lot of moving parts in a football team. Um, so... Yes, I, I think they're absolutely fine for League One where, where they're at at the moment with their goalkeeper situation. And as I say, I do think Walton will get in eventually. 
just as an aside, boys, who's the best goalkeeper you've ever seen? Rossi. Well, I haven't really got many, really. Um, <laughs> to be oh. town, I'm, I'm just talking oh. generally. The best keeper you've ever seen? Uh, I don't really know. I'm not really... Uh... It's more. This is more Hutchie's ball game. I think he's more the goalkeeper union sort of thing. I'm, you know, it's not the position I look at straight away. Oh, really. here we go. Uh, yeah, it's so, not sexy. Know, yeah. They don't score goals. Ross isn't interested. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, Buffon because of the Italian roots. You know, and all that. Yeah. So, uh, Mine, my friends, would be Peter Shilton. He was extraordinary in his pomp, um, and I was lucky enough to see him towards the end of his career, played for Derby County a few times. He was one of my first footballing heroes. Unbelievable keeper, kind of redefined the position. Um, how about you, Mickey? You go back a bit further than me, only a little bit, but best well, best keeper you've ever seen. I do go back a little bit further than you, Heath. You're not much, as you rightly say. Um, but, um, yeah, a little fun fact here. My first ever game at Ipswich Town as a win, a little nip of a lad, a tiny little, little, tiny little embryo of a little bacon I was as I probably <laughs> with... With my with my stool, yeah. yeah, little piglet. As I took my um, <laughs> as I took my stool under my arm as I walked towards what was there the east stand. I now believe it's the cobble stand. Now is it the far side of the press box? I can't remember what they're all called now. Yeah. Um, it was the east stand, and you used to get to the front then about half past one in the uh, for a three o'clock kickoff. And I stood on my box, leant over, and we're playing Stoke City. And in goal for Stoke City that day was Peter Shilton. Gordon Banks. Oh, unbelievable, Gordon Banks. Now, yeah. I'm not saying I really took much notice of Gordon Banks before I couldn't. Don't ask me if you must save anything. I was only about four and a half. But um, haven't seen, obviously, haven't watched Gordon Banks. I'm not really going to um, say too much about many other keepers I've seen. Obviously, Schmeichel, to be fair, Schmeichel, was, I saw him a couple of times. Schmeichel but, was great, wasn't he? Yeah. Schmeichel was my sort of era growing up. He sort of redefined a few things the, the starfish sort of coming yeah, out and making himself of. big turning his knee in mm. to kind of stop the ball going through his legs the the big sort of barrel throw out to set up a counter attack um he was kind of the, the one for me growing up a little bit before that would be the bin man neville southall real character all goalkeepers need to be a bit mental that's the law um yeah, yeah neville southall sort of sitting down on the pitch at half time and having a sulk and winning major titles and then just going home and doing the ironing and having a cup of tea. Um, he was outrageous in the 95 Cup final. It was kind of a one-man wall. So goalkeepers can be sexy too. Let's. It's not all about the strikers, defenders and goalkeepers. 100%. Schmeichel, well, Ipswich Town had one of the... Uh, in Paul Cooper, who none of you guys will have seen play back again in the day, a lot of, I'm sure a lot of the KI Army will, 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 have, will have seen Paul Cooper. I mean... He was fantastic goalkeeper for Ipswich Town. While he was surrounded by international stars, butchers, the Osmonds, the Walks, the Mures, he was a goalie who never got any international recognition. He was a player, and I think they used to say on International Week, um, poor old Paul Cooper was anyone sort of sat on his own all week, where everyone else had gone. But that bloke saved penalties. Well, he went through one season where he saved about eight, six or seven penalties or something. Um, and he was, he was so Paul, we've actually had at Ipswich Town. Um, one of the most underrated goalkeepers of a generation, really, in Paul Cooper, because he was, mm. he was, you know, he was in the FA Cup final, he was UEFA Cup final. You know, he's, you know, this guy was at the heart of everything. And yet, when you talk of all those great Ipswich Town teams, rarely do you mention Paul Cooper. Yet he was instrumental. But that's a little bit of a we're going a little nostalgia there, uh, folks. I hope you don't mind. But um, we're talking about goalkeepers. He's Coops was right up there. Hundred percent, Mike. Do you still take your little stool to games? Because you're not much bigger now. Well, no, I take a cushion now and um, <laughs> I put it on, on my, I'm in the press box. I sit on a cushion, which just gets me above the little, little lamps. 
in the press box, which is a little <laughs> bit annoying. And um, I push the lamp to the side, and then I can just see. The yeah, that, that, I don't think those lamps have been updated since about 1970. Talking about um, Cooper and, and that town team from back then, have they? Um, they're they're a, a relic in many ways. They're getting but, changed, apparently. That's another part of the Portman Road upgrade. There's stuff happening all across the stadium at the moment. Excellent. Still having just pies, though. Just the pie, yeah, and that's fine. It's not. It's not fine. It's an outrage. Not we need to. Be, we need to. We need to be catered for um, with the media. Important. Anyway, thanks. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for writing into the Mike Bacon show. Appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Mike, for letting us talk about it. Um, I'm looking. I'd in terms of question time with Mike. I would love to see Mike stand in for Andrew Marr on Sunday morning, mm. and absolutely grill a politician, reduce them to a quivering wreck, Mr. Bacon. <laughs> I reckon you'd be good at that. I personally would. I must confess that it's something I would I, I would get great pleasure out of uh, grilling some of these people who just but um, I can't stand people who tell too many porky pies though so I'd probably end up just storming out myself rather than them storming out I'd storm out so I've heard enough. Mike assaults Boris Johnson live on Sunday morning TV. <laughs> Stop lying, Boris. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on, boys. Um, another story which broke over the weekend. Mr. Bacon's working yesterday and, and put it online. This for me is the perfect marriage. Because Ipswich Town's former owner, Marcus Evans, looks like, I suppose he's still technically part owner, isn't he? Looks like he may, slash may, be thinking about getting back into football with a club that can only be described as a basket case. Um, Derby County. Marcus Evans and Derby County. Derby obviously very much at the bottom of the championship in all sorts of trouble. My boyhood club, sorry to see. Stewie, Marcus Evans and Derby County. What do you make of this? You'd think Derby would be the exact example of how not to do things in the championship. And Marcus has seen them at close hand over, over a decade, hmm. losing money hand over fist, getting into this this difficulty. You'd, you'd wonder, having not been able to make it work at Ipswich and felt increasingly like his money wasn't enough in the game, can't can't see how you'd suddenly be able to go in to Derby and make them a success. Maybe there's always a sense that you're getting a big club at its lowest yeah. ebb. You're getting them at a, a knockdown price. And I'm sure someone like Marcus, we know how difficult he found it to eventually sell Ipswich. And there's, a, I'm sure people of that sort of stature and that sort of money, there's an ego there understandably. And they think, I can be the one to make it work. It's like a manager that goes into a fading club, even though all the evidence suggests it's a poison chalice. I can be the one that can turn this round. And um, I don't know. I had heard after he left Ipswich that getting back into football was was something he was very seriously thinking about. So who knows? Watch this space. But Dar- Derby in an absolute mess, aren't they? Oh, mate, yeah. They're, they're in, in bits. But that would be interesting. I mean... As you say, whether Marcus could go in with his relatively limited funds and and do what's necessary at a club like Derby County um, seems unlikely. Um, Moving on also, Rossi, to your specific skill, your area of expertise, Ipswich Town ladies or women, um, they won again yesterday. Uh, They are a relentless winning metronome. They only won 3-0 though, so... (coughs) Not, not really that good. Um, who, who are they playing? Who did they beat? How, how, where are they sitting in the league? Top of the league, baby. Top of the league. 
um, for the time being because um, Southampton didn't play and Southampton and the other team who keep smashing teams. Um, mm. But 3-0 win, NK Dons were in town, um, professional performance. Um, yeah, good performance. Zoe Barrett, Baza is her nickname. Um, <laughs> she uh, she scored two goals. Uh, Lucio Bryan, the, the young superstar, um, superstar in our squad. Um, she's only 17 and she's now scored three goals in, in four games, which is good to see. Um, but yeah, they're just doing well. And Joe Sheehan, the gaffer, uh, 50 games he's now took charge. I think it's 39 wins in 50 games or something like that. So that is a fantastic record. I think he's only maybe lost once or twice in those games. So uh, he's doing very well. Mm. well um, you say, obviously, they're top of the league with Southampton. Those are the um, town and Southampton are the powerhouse teams in that league, aren't they? And it's, it mm-hmm. seems, I'd imagine, that their two meetings are going to be key. When do they play Southampton? So one is December, somewhere in December, and then it was going to be the last game of the season. So they've decided to change it. Now it's not; it's the the last home game of the season. So um, that still can be a big title decider, possibly. So I uh, look forward to that. What the crowds are the, are the, are the women getting? Because they they get a big following, don't they, Felix? Though. Yeah, they, they, it's growing now. It was 380 there um, yesterday. Unfortunately, the Orwell Bridge closed because of. Um, a situation that happened, unfortunately. Um, but that was good crowds um, and just good support. And you see a lot of, you know, young kids, a lot of young um, girls looking up to the players, you know, role models for the future. So um, it's just good to see it's growing and um, hopefully it will be a successful season for both teams. Indeed. Uh, and when are we going to get another instalment of Tractor Girls Talk? Because that launched to great fanfare and a big a big following was was quickly gathered. But uh, I'm, I'm not aware that there's been one for a little while. Is there, is there contractual issues? Is they're kind of negotiations ongoing wages and such no there'll be one this week so look out for that there we go sold it well there rossi yeah. <laughs> right, right answer ross right answer yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, suppose, I suppose there'll be one this week you might listen to it if you fancy probably not worth it to be honest um but boys before we move on to cambridge united i've got to talk about the big sporting event from the weekend obviously i was buzzing to watch tyson fury deontay wilder um please tell me that any of you watched it, saw it, are able to talk about it because it, not only is it one of the best fights I've ever seen, Tyson Fury is an extraordinary human being. Now, in terms of his kind of rehabilitation in the public eye, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, he was as low as you could get. Low as a snake's belly, to use a cliche, for the various issues he was having, the things he was saying, um, clearly very, very low. And yet he completely turned that all around. He's obviously battled his own demons he's come back and now he is a modern great of boxing not only is he a modern great of boxing a brilliant boxer he's also incredibly important culturally and socially he's inspiring people he's gone from a, a, a you know a place where you'd never think this would happen to now being genuinely one of our biggest stars globally with a really important message to spread um mike i know you're a big fan of tyson fury did you have you seen the fight did you watch the highlights i know boxing isn't necessarily your thing but you didn't have to be a boxing fan to watch this fight it it, it was it's one of these events that kind of almost transcends the sport um and it as i say it was extraordinary tyson fury is a fighting man to the core to his heart you can't beat the guy um what did you make of it 
Well, I, of course, going back going back in the day again, when I, I was lucky to watch the likes of uh, Eubank and, and Ben and Watson and a great, a great period of boxing. I know it wasn't heavyweight boxing, but a great period of boxing. And boxing seems to sort of lost its way a little bit over for, for many years. So mm. Tyson Fury, I have watched the highlights. Heathy, you'll be pleased to know. I've seen all Good. the knockdowns and bangs and ups and downs and crashes and bangs. And I've seen his little chair with uh, the big dosser on it that he sat on <laughs> with, um, with uh, Deontay Wilder's face on his chair in the corner. Um, yeah. I mean, Tyson Fury, yeah, I'd like, I've, I've always liked Tyson Fury. I mean, something else I can say, a bit like the Macaulay Bond, um, you know, going to be the surprise punch. I've always liked Tyson Fury. I, yes, he was a bit rebellious. He said things outrageous at the uh, many years ago, which, um, yes, okay, not clever. But um, he has, you're culturally, you're absolutely right. He has become a big figure, um, mm. not just not just in the sport, but in general. I'm, I'm thrilled for him. When he beat Klitschko... That, I don't think anyone realised how massive. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a huge boxing fan, but I'm a big sports fan. That was mm. massive. I don't think anyone really took that in. How I mean, he's, what he's done since has been great, but being Klitschko that time mm. was was huge. Absolutely, a massive sporting event, and he's gone and done it again. It looked a fantastic. I didn't, I, I, I didn't um, get it because I, I don't know how to work the pay per view, um, quite <laughs> frankly. So um, I don't really know what to press. So um, I just waited for the highlights. And plus, but it was about four in the morning, wasn't it? Which um, yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I, no chance of me being up at that time, but. I have seen the highlights. Fantastic! He's a he's a top top man. I'm I'm, I'm thrilled for him. Um, yeah, and, and, and British boxing. His story is incredible. You say he beat Klitschko and then kind of fell into the depths of depression and and was up to about thirty stone at one point, drinking twenty pints a day, really really struggling with things, and yet he's managed to turn it around. He's such an inspirational individual. Rossi, we know obviously we both know Fabio. Fabio is sparred with with Tyson and he, he always says what a lovely guy Tyson Fury is and you get that feeling don't you now when you see him interviewed just to, he always says how polite he is how giving of his time how much he helps Fabio in terms of advice and kind of mentorship did you have you seen any of the uh the highlights yeah I, I actually watched it um, yeah. I got in I got in late anyway and I thought you know what it's two o'clock and I thought you know there's, there's no point in me going to sleep right now I thought I'll go and watch the boxing um so yeah I loved the fight it was a proper good heavyweight fight weren't it um yeah. i don't know my ins and outs of boxing so i don't know about the the hits and whatever but i'm just like oh this is what yeah this is two meaty men fighting <laughs> if you would love this um and yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much i mean I, I, I was of course back in tyson to to win um yeah because I'm, I'm a big fan of him as well just his character and his, his journey as you mentioned you know from the lowest of the low and now to the highest of the high um and yeah, it's just great, great story. And I just, I, he's just a great character, which is just great to see. It certainly was two meaty men battering shite <laughs> out of each other um, for, for, from the uh, kind of less experienced eye, I suppose. Um, Stewie, have you have you seen it? What do you what do you make of it? I haven't though, because of the time it was on, and I haven't had a chance to catch up on it. But I've I've read lots about it, and I've um, you said earlier, everyone loves a local hero in, yeah. in sport. Everyone loves a comeback, don't they, as well? Mm. And my word, that is a comeback. I, I, I returned to that um, grainy, self-shot message that he sent to Deontay Wilder at his sort of lowest ebb, yeah. looking uh, massively overweight with an ill-fitting cap, saying that, you know, mm. he'd got called out. And he said, thank, thank you, because uh, this has given me the inspiration to come back. And I think that... Anyone can cut in any, whatever, wherever you're at in life. If you want to take it as a bit of inspiration to get a bit fitter yourself mm. or just to find some inner drive, or if you're just feeling at a, a lowest ebb, um, mm. that's really translatable, that that comeback story, isn't it, to uh, however you want it to be. So um, fair play to him. Where, where does it pan out from now quickly? I know this is a football podcast, but what, what's, 
what happens next with Usyk and Joshua well, the, and Fury? I mean, what... the, the, the easiest thing to do, and this is where boxing politics gets in the way, if you can indulge me for a second. Um, the, the obvious thing to do would be have Tyson Fury fight Alexander Usyk for all the belts. They're clearly the two top heavyweights in the world. And Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder fight each other. And then the winner of that fight then could fight the winner of Usyk Fury. It won't happen because there's a rematch clause. Joshua's got to fight Usyk again. Tyson Fury's got to fight Dillian White, which is a fight that he'll stroll through. Um, famous last words. But it's so frustrating because, you know, the net, it, the problem with, with boxing as a sport is it's very rare for the best to meet the best. And now we have genuinely two unbeaten elite heavyweights at the top of the sport in Usyk and Fury. And you can't see them fighting until at least the end of next year, maybe, if it happens. That's what's so frustrating. So... We'll see. Tyson Fury, of course, Dewey, lives in Morecambe. Um, town has still got to go to Morecambe at some point. So maybe you go knock on his door and say hello. There was a <clears throat> there was a there was a great promo which I think summed up Tyson Fury for me and the difference between him and Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder pre-fight about five minutes of spiel about how he was gonna seriously hurt Tyson Fury and he was a different man and all these excuses he trotted out. And then it cut to Tyson Fury, who was asked to give a message to Deontay Wilder, who just said, I'm gonna smash your face in your big shit house. What do you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> and that was it it was literally like five seconds anyway um moving on boys and thanks for indulging me because you know how excited i get about fighting and boxing generally and hopefully a lot of people who listen to this pod will have watched the fight because i say it kind of transcended boxing anyway that particular event another big event not quite on the same scale but a big event in the Ipswich town calendar this weekend cambridge united away mike you referred to it earlier as a massive game and it does genuinely feel like that every kind of town game at the moment feels big doesn't it um but <laughs> What, how are you feeling going into this one? Well, um, it, it just does feel big. I, it, I don't know why. Cambridge away. Why should that feel so big? It's bizarre, but it does because you just know if town come away with three points with a two or three nil or something like that win at um, at the Abbey Stadium, I assume it's still called the Abbey Stadium. Um, it'll be it'll be fantastic. It'll be it really will feel like the season is really up and running. I, I think this match has the potential to make you really feel the season's up and running. Doncaster sort of gave you that slight feeling, but then it was brought down to earth. Then Town have bounced back at Julian. They bounced back at with Doncaster uh, with um, Shrewsbury. I think if they were to get a result at Cambridge, that's it feels so big. Not because of the the size of the of the of the, the, the teams they're playing. It just feels big. So I think this could if if on Friday on five o'clock on Saturday night, Town have won. A lot of Ipswich fans will genuinely be thinking this really is starting to happen. And I think that'll be the first time this season, apart from the slight dull of the, the slight you know, misconception of the of the Doncaster result. Um, I think that's that's why I think it's such a big game. Um, I yeah. think it would be not very good. Yeah. Uh, Stu, before the Shrewsbury game, you, you referred to it as a real chance to start climbing the table. And having beaten Shrewsbury and now heading to Cambridge, a team with all due respect, you'd expect Town to be beating. Um, it is, isn't it? It, it, it? But Mike is right. It feels like a, a kind of big game a, 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 a game that's kind of bigger than it has any right to be town going to Cambridge yeah. United if you know what I mean yeah because the fact it's a, it's an hour up the road and there'll be a, yeah. a packed away end of what two and a half thousand or whatever the, the allocation is as well um I don't know and, I, and I've I've used the term liftoff a few times myself the more I think about it I don't know if there will be a, a liftoff moment per se. We're kind of waiting for this kind of defining moment to come. This might just have to be just through just continuous hard graft of just keep finding results at the right times. I don't know. It will be in hindsight, we'll maybe look back and think that was the moment, but I, I mm. don't know. Um, I thought 
you said, oh, this is a game they should win. I thought they should win at Accrington, and that really surprised me, that result. So Ipswich are definitely stuck in this, Cooks used the phrase, which Ipswich side is going to turn up at the moment. They're a bit Jekyll and Hyde, and uh, once they, uh, I'm not confident enough to feel like they're in that sort of consistent groove of being that sort of machine where you know exactly what you're going to get from them. And yes, you'll lose the odd game along the way, but the, the performance levels just aren't quite there consistently at the moment. So hopefully by the end of this month, we'll see signs of them sort of eradicating more of the bad stuff and keeping the good stuff going. But um, yeah, really looking forward to it because uh, it'll be a great <laughs> atmosphere just up the road at, at Cambridge. And uh, yeah, ho- hopefully they can they can get the job done. I love the Abbey Stadium as well. I spent a lot of my kind of youth there because that was our closest football team uh, where we were living at the time. So my dad took me to Cambridge United. I went to see Cambridge United win promotion at the old Wembley uh, against Chesterfield. Dion Dublin scored the winner and then vanished to Man United for a million pounds, which is massive at the time. Dion Dublin, the first ever autograph, by the way, that I got from pitch side. Uh, Rossi, are you looking forward to heading to the dear old Abbey Stadium this weekend? Yeah, once again, I'm a big fan of the Abbey. Um, can we not use it in any articles? It's not a derby, okay? It's not a derby. I know they're an hour up the road, which is close, but it's not a derby. Um, but it's going to be feisty, as you said, a packed out away end. Cambridge fans, they'll be up for it as well. Um, and there have been a surprise package as well, Cambridge. Um, I said they'll stay up. Um, I just mm. felt they've got a very good young manager. Um, forgot his name. Um, but, <laughs> I he's, he's very good yeah shout out to, oh, I've got shout remember out. the name uh, remember the name um, and of course they've got uh, an old enemy playing for them who's still doing um, very well Wes Houlihan he's 39 now or whatever and he's still doing the business for them um, so he'll be another talking point going into the game Jack Lancaster yeah Jack Lancaster, course, another yeah. little subplot yeah another subplot um, but yeah it should be a very feisty game and good atmosphere looking forward to it why is it not a derby, Rossi? It's like, uh, we, well, we haven't played them for, well, I don't know, since the 90s, is it? Like, properly. I know we played them in friendly, but it must be the 90s since we last played them. I can't remember playing them until, like, I haven't seen town play Cambridge. I'm with, in a I'm with you, game. Ross. It's, it's not a derby. Norwich is the derby. Yeah. No, nothing else is the derby. No. Like, Colchester, once again, that's not a derby. It's just the team down the road in Essex, um, just down the A12. Cambridge just like the A14. Um, you know, you know, you normally go past Cambridge to go on to the um, M1. Is it M1? I think is it M1? A1. You, A1. Can, get, you can get onto the you M1. Get to, yes, get into all the roads of the A14. All, all the roads. Yeah. All the roads yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I think it's it's one of the game on the calendar. I think a lot of town fans will look forward to because it is close. Um, yeah. And there'll be some who may not be able to travel far for away games. So that is the only one they can really go to. And it is the golden ticket. It's just like Southend a couple of seasons ago. You know, everyone wanted that ticket. I think people are still putting on Twitter now with Cambridge. Like, has anybody got any spare tickets? And they're hoping there'll be some somewhere. Um, mm. But that away end is going to be fantastic. You know, you've got the terrace and you've got the seating. It's going to be one hell of a day in terms of the atmosphere. And hopefully it will be a good game to watch. Hopefully it won't be a, a dreadful game. 1993, yeah. the last time they played competitively. Was even this, and Mark Bonner is the name you were you were looking for, their manager. That guy. Good what man. was it? What was the score back in '93, Stu? Uh, Ipswich won two 0 in a League Cup tie. Oh, there you go. 
Yeah, it's going to be a, a cracking atmosphere, isn't it? I think it sold out about a month ago, didn't it, this game? So definitely a lot of fans going to be there and be bang up for it. Cambridge, of course, is a beautiful city um, yes. right on our doorstep. I don't spend enough time in Cambridge because every time I go there, I think, wow, this is, this is amazing. Um, but I guess it's almost too close, which is an odd thing to say. Um, boys, we've had an excellent time today. We've learned many, many things. Um, is there any, any other business we need to conduct before? Well, the real, the real business, and I probably need to get some some formal confirmation from Hutchie that he's, he's handing over the, the pot to me because um, if he is, quite frankly, I'm go go hard or go home. So I, I'm, I'll have to have a little think about what I'm going to do with that. But um, yeah, I might just lump it all on Macaulay Bond to score again. <laughs> that seems the most sensible thing to do. Okay, well, uh, as I say, we'll probably have a second podcast later in the week. I don't, I'm not sure, sure when that'll be because we're having a little KOA lads night out in London on Thursday to hopefully pick up our first national award. It is inevitable at some point we're going to win an award for this nonsense. Um, and now with the with the big porker on board, I can only think that's that strengthens our case with the uh, yeah. the judging panel. They've gone, what? Ba- Mike Bacon is on this podcast. All right, it's one. Yep, there we go. Sorted. So we'll be out in, in London at the Royal Lancaster Hotel Thursday. So I don't know um, when we're going to have time to record said second podcast. If we don't know, Sue, we'll make sure to put out your million pound pick via social media. Mike, I want a little update before we, we, we move on and leave and get on with our day. How did putting the garden go to bed this weekend? Did you do everything you were told to do? Good news. Good news. Um, I trimmed up the sunflowers, as I, as, I, as I said I would have to do. I did a bit of deheading, and I trimmed some. And then I walked round to the talked about the fence, didn't I, where the guy's got all the sunflowers up. Flash Steve, yeah. All gone. All gone. So quite clearly, I was doing the right thing. Obviously, he's a bit of a guard. He obviously knows his shit, quite frankly, compared to me. I don't know anything. So he's done the same thing. So all the sunflowers are down. Um, somebody did actually drop me a note about what I should do with the sunflowers, leaving for the birds or something. I can't remember what they said. Uh, it's on one of the podcast comments. But anyway, I've trimmed them all up. So, yes, going very well. And you'll be pleased to very know um, um, that the, the uh, clematis in the back garden is also coming along nicely. The what? Sorry, the clematis, the climbing clematis, ah. coming along nicely. So, yeah, a little bit of little bit of garden work went very well. Thank you very much for asking. That's Lovely job, Lovely job. Um, Rossi Stewie. Any other business? Have you um, have you put your gardens to bed as yet? <clears throat> I haven't got a garden, so. Oh no, I didn't realise that. <laughs> oh, that's made me a bit sad. No. Have you got a windowsill? <laughs> uh, yeah, a few. He's got a few. You can have a, you can have a little herb garden, Rossi. Get that going. We've got um, we've got we've always got some um, flowers like this in the house. Oh, nice. so, I, I assume you buy those yeah. for Sasha almost daily, do you? Uh she buys them. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Stewie, how's your general state of um, domestic affairs at the moment? Is your garden in order? Just give us an update. I've got nothing to add. I did do a bit of gardening at the weekend, but that, that's it. Nothing to add or contest. I'm done. There you go. There's the outro. I did a bit of garden at the weekend. Nothing to add. Uh, in that case, then, my friends, I hope you've enjoyed today's show. It's been tremendous talking to my fellow Kings this morning. Um, follow us across all social medias, Kings of Anglia on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Please remember to support our long-term sponsors, Manscaped. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery. That's the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery. We will hopefully be back later on this week. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Have a great start to the week and indeed rest of the week if we don't speak to you again. We'll be building up to Cambridge later on and we'll speak to you again next time. From true crime to football, Brexit to Pokeville. 
For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.